Just call me a contractor because I love to break the fourth wall. <laughs> In my home, I'm not just a housewife, I'm the queen of the castle. Ah! <laughs> Did you just hear my laugh? Yeah. What the fuck? What did that turn into? Problem number one. Um, you guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode, I don't know. We're in the 480s. There's a journey that's uh, taking place as we schlep on over to AG500. And I am so excited for this return guest. You know her as a producer and podcaster whose credits include the Howie Mandel Does Stuff podcast hosted by her dad. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Jacqueline Schultz. Jacqueline, how are we? I'm good. I'm so excited to be back. Every time you message me and you're like, hey, you want to come chat? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. It's been way too long. <laughs> also, you know that you're in like the inner circle of AG because lately, I just have to say, I, th- I don't know if that I've said this on Andy's Girls before, but like it used to be that I booked episodes months in advance. Like it would be like, you know, can you come on two and a half months from now? And then at some point, I think during the pandemic, but I could be wrong, I just kind of realized that I'm so fortunate to have so many incredible guests that I love to record with that I genuinely just go with like the energy that I'm feeling sometimes days before, day before where I'm like, who do I want to, you know, if they're so gracious and generous to give me an hour's worth of time, who do I feel like I need to connect to? And I have to tell you, I was like, why has Jacqueline not been on AG in a minute? I need to chat with her. So I'm so thankful that you're back. I really, really am. Oh, that makes me feel so good. I'm thankful too. Again, anytime, anytime you call me, I mean, unless like my kids need me or something, I am here. (laughs) I love it. You know, it's that dedication to graft that I really feel um, so thrilled about. Listen, happy Hanukkah. The the weekish hath just begun. Did we light the menorah? Did we do the gifts? How are the kids feeling? We lit the menorah. We did the gifts. Um, I'm actually staying at my parents' house right now. So we oh. did it with my parents and it was a lot of fun. I don't know. It was good. Do... You have your own menorah and then parents have their menorah. Do we like add on menorah to menorah or do we have one menorah that works for everybody? I have to be. We had like one beautiful menorah when I was growing up and my parents have it and it's like silver. It's gorgeous. And since I've had my kids, they come home with their little like handmade menorahs that they make when they went to school and preschool and they made a different one every year. So now those like beautiful silver menorahs are stored away and we have like the little I don't I mean I hope my kids don't hear this one day but like the little crappy menorahs that they make like out of bolts that they glue together I don't know but those are the ones we use I love that yeah that's really meaningful I mean when I got my first and only adult menorah not to compare the two but I was like what is the closest to what Indiana Jones was looking for with the Holy Grail. Like, I wanted something that looked fucked up and, like, kind of old. And, like, when he's looking for, like, the Jesus cup, like, you know, other people, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, for this movie from the 80s, but, like, other people are, like, looking for, like, the bells and whistles. And I was like, I want the one that feels like it's lived a life. And I found it. It's, like, kind of fakakta looking. And I love it. It's, like, it makes me feel 
connected to something that feels earthy. But also, I've seen people lighting their menorahs on IG, and they're these like beautiful, be- I mean, Crystal Kong Minkoff's menorah and her IG story last night. I was like, that is gorgeous. So truly, whatever kind of floats your boat, I think is good. That's a good thing to do. Well, I would personally like a fancy schmancy one. That would be nice. But right now I'm kind of in in like anything that has to do with my kids and makes them happy mode. So yeah. and that makes them happy using the ones they made. <laughs> of course. I yeah. mean, I'm sure. It's like it's an extension of love and care mm. and um and I think that's really that's kind of the meaning that I think many of us are looking for right now. So I just want to start off the episode by saying happy Hanukkah to everyone, to everyone celebrating, light those menorahs, um, be, you know, we're so happy that you're here and um, let's talk some goddamn housewives. So listen, mm-hmm. we just went through the dinner party from hell part trois. How do you feel that it landed for you? Do you think it deserved the title of Dinner Party? And did you have a different reaction to the newest episode, part two versus part one? The first part I knew was headed towards like disaster. I have to say I kind of feel bad for Denise. I feel like... You don't. We always disagree. <laughs> no, 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 no. Continue talking. Continue okay. talking. I'm giving a face, you guys. This is the glory of Zoom. I'm giving a face. But continue talking because this is important. This I is very important. I feel bad. I really don't. Even though I watch The Housewives and I feel like reality TV kind of had like they exploit people. They just do. Like that's part of reality TV. And I'm not a necessarily I think it's horrible. Not necessarily above it. I watch it. I think it's entertaining. But this is one of those things where I felt like it was exploitative is that the word exploit exploited <laughs> whatever the word is you got it you yeah got it. but to watch denise specifically struggle or beyond whatever it was or maybe she had anxiety and took medication before she went on the show we, we can only speculate but there's something that happened where she didn't seem like herself and it was focused on in the episode the girls talked about it in their one-on-ones and it just made me feel a little bit icky about it. So that to me, that to me was hard, though entertaining, hard to watch as someone who is who struggles with their own mental health and has been on medication for anxiety before that didn't go well. And that kind of or knows people that maybe have drug and alcohol issues and and problems, which I'm not saying that's what it was because we can only speculate, but it was really hard for me to watch. Listen, I know that you and I have disagreed on topics before, and that Mm -hmm. is what I love the most. What I love the most is hearing a different take because it often, um, you know, forces a person or inspires a person to explore their own. So I love it. But I have to tell you, I totally agree. Really? And yeah, and I didn't watch the episode until this morning. I was in Rhode Island dealing with some stuff, so I didn't have... Uh, Housewives at my full attention until last night I watched Salt Lake and today I watched Beverly Hills. We're recording this Friday afternoon-ish. And I had seen people posting sort of meme stuff about Denise and it seemed like it was really fucking funny. And I was looking forward to a little bit of a chuckle factory. And then I watched the episode and I was just like, I, you know, not taking away from anybody who thought like this was hilarious, God bless. But like, I just kind of watched it and I was like, oh, she, she, to me feels like something is going on. It does feel like she's altered in some way. Who knows how? And not for me to, you know, I mean... 
listen, it's a pot dinner. You know, people are turtle timing a little bit. She's not the she would not be potentially the only one. But she seemed so paranoid and honestly, understandably so. Like during that moment with Dorit, when Dorit was, I think, genuinely just trying to let her know, I think your coat is on upside down. And Denise is responding like, I know what you're doing because she's assuming that this person, she might be right, is saying this on camera just to make a joke of her. Maybe not aware that she's like sort of already become the joke from the dinner itself. It, 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 I did feel kind of bad. I wanted to like have that thing of like, oh my God, this is like the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I'm not taking away from that, but I just honestly like, I felt bad. I yeah. did. I mean, there is a difference between housewives cognizant and aware and making a choice to say whatever it is they say, whether it's horrible and disgusting or funny or whatever. To me in that moment, that episode, it didn't seem like she was cognizant and aware of how she was coming off or being portrayed. What do you think she meant when she said to Erica, essentially, you owe me an apology for how you behaved prior? What do you think that she was referring to? Do you think it was something specific? And do you think or do you think it was just kind of like a general vibe that she felt? Well, didn't she say later on, like she referred back to the dinner party she had when Erica was talking inappropriately in front of her kids. And then I think behind the scenes, Erica's like, oh, come on, get over it. Like you're pretending like you're holier than thou and you're not. It's not a big deal. And she never apologized. And she kind of gave Denise shit when she was on her one-on-one saying like, why are you even upset about this? I'm assuming that's what she's talking about because that's what she referenced later on when she went to lunch with Crystal and all them. But I I don't know. I can only assume. I didn't get it either. And everyone seemed like they were legitimately shocked and didn't understand what was going on. I mean, I honestly don't have the best memory in like split seconds where some if she says as she I mean, she quite literally said it mm-hmm. like what you did. I genuinely was watching the episode being like, what what did Erica do? Because I was trying to remember what it was. And then in that follow up scene, as you said, when she was like, oh, well, you know, she was speaking inappropriately in front of the kids. I'm thinking to myself, I know that she said that in the follow up scene. I know that she seemed a lot different in temperament and communication style in that scene than at the dinner party. But I just really thought to myself, like, okay, is that something that you're choosing now? Or were you really intending to say that the full time? Because why not just say that at the dinner table when she's asking you explicitly, unless you felt like this was all, again, part of some sort of strategy? I also think isn't Erica and Lisa like buddy, buddy? They're buddy, buddy. They're the closest, right? I th- I'm assuming they still are, and they were then. And I know she has a huge problem with Lisa Rinna. Um, right. Denise does. And so maybe there's something that went on behind the scene between the two of them, Lisa and Erica. It seems like when people had a problem with Lisa, they also had a problem with Erica, thinking that they were combined and whatever was happening was done jointly. So maybe that's part of it too. I think you're totally right. I think she honestly either potentially – misremembered whether or not Erica was actively involved in Rinna's shit, or maybe she remembered perfectly and just felt like you are an extension of this other person who I no longer fuck with. She's no longer on the show. You're still here. So you are going to get 
the essentially attention and ire that is probably to me best sent Rinna's way, but she's no longer on the show because she quote unquote quit. So it's like, you know, what can you do in that sense? She certainly, I think, felt incredibly negative about the, you know, end part of her time on Housewives, how Rinna treated her, how Teddy treated her, the ways that the cast spoke about her in group dynamics and in confessionals. And I think she brought that baggage, understandably so, with her to the dinner and just maybe wasn't able to communicate it effectively. I, yeah, I think you're probably right. And she came in nervous and like with a mission. I'm surprised she came back, actually. I, I was surprised she was there. I thought she was gone, never to be heard from again in the whole Housewives universe. I thought like she hated her time and she just wanted to put it behind her. So I was surprised to see her there. But I think she came there probably with a mission. It seems like she had something in her head that she wanted to say and she wanted to confront and have her time and put it out there. I just don't know if it was received the way that she intended. Absolutely. And I feel like, how can you not be nervous coming back into that environment? Now, she has said since um, that she, that production didn't know that she was going to show up at Garcelle's movie um, premiere, that the production didn't know she just showed up because she was being a good friend. And after that point, obviously, there was some sort of conversation about her returning to film in some capacity. And I really think it could have really landed well, except that maybe I'm not being honest about how she really felt about how she was treated. I I think, and also obviously when I'm talking about frustration that she felt, Brandy would be in the mix with that too. So maybe when she's thinking about the ways that she felt she had been mistreated, she's thinking about Rinna, she's thinking about allegations referenced repeatedly on camera by Brandy. She may have been feeling a certain way about Kyle. That would be completely understandable to me. And Erica just became symbolic of all of that and maybe is deserving of some critique. And it just, I think it was nervousness. I think whatever, you know, she may or may not have dabbled in or whatever else. I just think it it did not um, show her off in a way that was maybe helpful in discussing um, her emotion toward, I guess, Erica and the crew. It just sometimes that happens. It just does. To me, it was very reminiscent of Kelly Ben Simone. Oh, God. Oy vey. Like the, I mean. Oy vey. Al Sharpton. Satchels of gold. Not yeah. them necessarily being the same person yeah. or whatever was going on. My gut reaction and my feelings and my emotions toward those scenes were very similar. I could understand that. And I think sometimes we all have our own personal Duolingo Mm -hmm. where it's like we think that our feelings are being translated exactly right because we understand what we're saying. It's almost like we're having a conversation with our own selves, except it's obviously being directed to someone else at the same time. So I think with Denise, it's like she had already internalized the response that she felt like she was getting, but there was a stopgap there because Erica's like, I don't understand what you're saying. And I think Denise is hearing like, oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm telling you. And I honestly believed Erica when she was like, I really 
I need you to give me an example. I don't know what it is that you're trying to communicate. Yeah. Now, uh, Erica's character this season is like night and day. And I think because that she's been so even keel and she hasn't had those like outbursts that we've seen in the past – like, I genuinely, I genuinely believe the stuff that's coming out of her mouth. And maybe that's because of the way she's presenting it. But I do believe that she had no idea what she was talking about. How do you feel about Erica? Uh, noting that there has been some sort of transition, next chapter, resetting, recalibration. I don't know. I don't even know how I feel necessarily about what transpired previously. You know, I had some really big emotions about what was going on in her life and with her then husband and the allegations, which aren't just allegations. They were proven to be true. Um, But I mean, the allegations against Erica, like I have some big feelings about what happened to those poor, poor people and how they were taken advantage of and how they were robbed and stuff. I don't know how I feel about Erica now. I have to assume that because the courts and the legal system said that they didn't find any wrongdoing, that there was no wrongdoing on her part, I guess, because that's what they said. So I don't I don't know. Well, how do you feel? It's like it's weird. It's weird because I do feel very strongly about her ex and about what happened and about those victims and not knowing what role she played or how much she knew or how much she decided not to know mm-hmm. is hard for me to like to reconcile. Yeah, I I agree with um a lot of that and I think ultimately the question that a lot of viewers had for Erica which is probably difficult for her to honestly like accept and unpack on top of which there are legal implications if she's like, you're right, I did. I think for a lot of people, for some people, they might have said like, oh, you're actively involved in something. Other people maybe felt like regardless of that, which is a big regardless, did you benefit from Tom's crimes? You may not have been aware of what he was doing. And there are so many lawsuits that are ongoing, including a a pretty large one, a significant one by Erica's former costume designer who says, no, she was directly involved in trying to ruin my life so that she wouldn't have to pay these bills. It was not just like a Tom situation. This was Erica, alleged, completely alleged. Mm -hmm. And you can go to the LA Times for more on that. But I think the question that a lot of people had was, did you benefit from this? But I think because there had been a barrage of people questioning whether she was directly involved with some sort of conspiracy that obviously everything that she's going to um, hear might be received as just a challenge to her moral core and a challenge of the life she's trying to put together for herself now. I think she had a lot of anger and rage last season, and some of that I think is completely justifiable. I also think it was certainly uh, misdirected when she's lobbing um, missiles at members of the cast and of the audience and really not many at Tom. Right. And I think what's what's tainted my perception of Erica a little bit is not necessarily what happened with Tom, not necessarily whether or not she was wrongfully accused or rightfully, I don't know, of whatever, of participation. I think what really tainted my perception of Erica was her response um, in the follow-up season, in like last season where she's like, 
Am I allowed to say the F word? F the victims. Uh, yeah. Plot, whatever. But like, yeah, we're, we're explicit. We're but when she was explicit. like in her drunken moments when she was like, fuck the victims. And I think just her flippant way of not giving a shit about the victims and like really only caring about herself in that moment um, was re- really off-putting to me. So now I'm trying to like get past that as a character, as someone who is trying to grow and go to therapy and trying to work on herself. It's hard. It's it's like baby steps to get past how I felt about her, her last season. That makes a lot of sense. And I feel like we are seeing an Erica who seems to be making peace with um, the kind of chapter of her life that she's living now. And I think she's going to be dealing with legal challenges for a while. I cannot imagine how expensive those will be. Obviously, she said she's still legally married to Tom. I don't know what's going to happen with Tom potentially facing trial and everything else. This is not necessarily going anywhere, but uh, in terms of like going away, but it does appear that she has made the decision to um, respond to it differently in a way that's easier, I think, for a lot of us to understand, where mm-hmm. it feels like she has calmed down, which is not me like criticizing her being hot and bothered, although I was absolutely horrified by her behavior last season. It just feels like she has kind of made peace with a different kind of life that she's living, um, one that hopefully isn't funded by people who've been stolen from by her now estranged, separated husband. And, um, you know, even her talking about Tom and the kind of relationship that they had, it felt last year like she was putting a lot of stuff in the air, throwing a lot of pasta in the wall against the wall. Not to say that it wasn't necessarily untrue, but it certainly served the purpose of maybe protecting him. Yeah. And now she's getting into stuff that's more focused on her, where it's like she's saying, I I want to find the great love of my life. And that isn't going to help him in any way legally, which makes me feel more connected to it because I'm like, what does what purpose does this maybe serve this man? Um, it, it It's really more about Erica, which is what I want to see. Yeah, no, there is a like I do feel more connected to her this season slowly, but it yeah. is very different than I've seen in the past. Oh, I did want to ask you. This is not really related, but Love. how do you feel about Garcelle kind of insinuating that Dorit wasn't actually robbed that like that threw me for a loop when I heard that that comment I honestly thought it was like so perfectly delivered that it was (laughs) it really kind of like it's not that it threw me off I was just sort of obsessed with that moment because she just she's such a fucking excellent housewife and she's obviously an accomplished performer and actress and the way that she delivered that line I don't think she was saying Dorit wasn't robbed I don't I think she was hinting maybe there are rumors of I think she was saying isn't it interesting that when a person is definitely robbed that she still has jewelry. I mean, like, I just, I don't know. Garcella is my queen. And I just, um, I know she's gonna have uh, some stuff to answer to. But I just, I was really into it. I love that you pick your housewives and you are a stan and you don't falter. Like, your Shannon Bedore love will never fade. Yeah. <laughs> 
but I hold Housewives accountable. But I have to say, like, in the ways that people were charmed by the performance at the dinner party and were kind of delighting in Denise's behavior, I not to not to equalize the two, but I just felt like, wow, shot a shot was fired and it was perfectly fired. It was perfectly done. It was very dry. The producer didn't even have a follow up. You would expect to hear some sort of gasp from like the other person, you know, interviewing Garcelle. They didn't either because they were in disbelief or they understood how powerful a zinger that was. Did you think it was too far? A little bit. I don't think maybe I'm not on the right blog sites or I don't follow enough like Bravo. I haven't heard those rumors before you you said you've heard them before or you've seen them before i don't you guys could see my face right now (laughs) am i just like in the dark i feel like i'm pretty up to date on bravo stuff so everyone agrees i assume that like you know dorit was robbed it was a terrible terrible experience she has she's uh, dealing with potentially long-term PTSD. Like, mm-hmm. no one is, I would assume, including Garcelle, taking away from that. I mean, obviously, some people will because people can be assholes. I think that there... I think that there are maybe, in the Bravo version of the dark web, certain conversation about an enormous amount of debt that PK carried mm. and maybe the fact that it's unfortunate timing that Dorit has been stolen from twice. But I think this is a conversation where regardless if if you want to go down that dark web path, which I do not, but I I have I, I'm acknowledging that other people are saying that. I'm not saying it. But I think I think that's more of like a what's happening here with their money stuff. Um, I don't think that takes away from uh, the trauma that Dorit felt, though certainly she has every right to say, Garcelle, what the absolute fuck at the reunion. And I think that's going to be incredibly uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm ready for that. Garcelle, like, quietly just sneaks in and throws little low blows in places. And then she's like, all right, Sutton, you take the brunt of it, though. Well, I mean... (laughs) I think with the Dorit stuff, I think that Dorit has said and done a couple things that are majorly shitty, like her behavior toward Garcelle um, in Vegas when they were talking about Garcelle's understandable to me, completely understandable discomfort with having her kids not only around the cast, but around filming. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if Garcelle's going to throw a low blow, I mean... I get it. Like, I, I feel like she feels that she was under attack in that moment. And I I agree. I think she was. So it's like some of this stuff. I'm like, was it deserved in that moment? Like, was it maybe really cruel? Sure. But was she the first one to throw a bomb in the room? I don't think so. But like with the Kyle thing, she's just like, Sutton, get to the fucking point. You're not going to get there. I'm going to say the thing that a lot of people are thinking and no one's going to say out loud. Yeah, that's true. I like Garcelle. I'm not saying anything negative about Garcelle as a housewife. I love her. I love like everything she says and does. I think she's an amazing addition to the cast. And you're right. Dorit probably deserves a lot of what comes to her because she throws – she's shady too. And she also doesn't think and she's not really that aware and she talks a lot when she should be listening. I get all that. Um, So yeah, you're you're probably right. 
I don't know. I just feel like I felt like Garcelle could have sat back and just let Sutton go for it. If she really felt like it wasn't the right moment or the right time to throw it out there that everyone's speculating that there's something wrong in Kyle's marriage or Kyle's relationship, then it should have just been a Sutton thing. And Garcelle didn't need to actually throw it out there. I mean, I don't think Garcelle did Sutton any favors by throwing it out there. I mean, I don't know that she did her a favor in being honest about what it was that Sutton was getting to, but I think she did do the thing of sitting back. I think everybody at that fucking table did, and Sutton was just refusing or was unable to communicate and be entirely transparent and honest, Mm -hmm. and I think Garcelle was. She was like, okay, Sutton's going to kind of talk around this. She has. They've been running laps for a minute. And Garcelle was like, all right, let's just cut to the chase here. What she's talking about is your marriage. Like, I think everyone was waiting for Sutton to say the thing. She didn't say it. And Garcelle did. I was just hoping that Kyle would be like, name it. Name it. (laughs) Name it. What are you getting at? Name it. (laughs) Listen, I the 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 jabs that Sutton and Kyle were throwing at each other. I just watched the after show and it was really fascinating to me, although maybe not surprising that Kyle in the after show was like, how dare she? How dare she reference my sister and our relationship? That's completely inappropriate. It's it's unacceptable, which I get. I Mm -hmm. get. But also like Sweetie, you're not in any way mentioning the fact that you attempted to say and then weaponize whether or not Sutton had disordered eating. You're attempting to say as some sort of like October surprise that Sutton might have um, some challenges with drinking. You're attempting to use this and weaponize it against her. And then you're surprised when she's bringing up your sister to fuck with you. It's like, I don't need to know how a sphincter works and an esophagus to know that Kyle in that moment was kind of full of shit. She was. And Kyle should know better, especially with her experience with her sister and what they went through and all that stuff. She should know better than to weaponize that and to say that out loud on just because she's angry on television. That was wrong. Yeah. And I mean, like, Sutton, like, was Sutton being a piece of shit by being like, you've already lost two sisters, you want to lose another? Sure. Was it a callback to the fact that she was calling herself Kyle's little sister, which Kyle immediately (laughs) rejected? Like, absolutely. I'm sure it probably was. It's just like, it is also you're distancing yourself from the reality when you suggest that any normal person who was being a good friend would stand up to Kathy because I think Kyle knows better than anyone else how difficult that would be. And I think Kyle is also an expert in being quiet at moments when people feel like they deserve to be defended. And so when it comes to Kyle's family, it's like, I get that you think that Sutton should stand up for you. You have the right to be upset about that. But we can't pretend that standing up to Kathy is terribly easy. Otherwise, Kyle would have done that a lot more. Right, right. And I mean, and the truth is Sutton, I think, is really good friends with Kathy. So you feel like you're kind of in the middle, too. So I don't think anything she said when I – I didn't know what interview she was talking about until they played that little clip. Oh, same. I had no idea. Yeah, 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 same. I don't think Sutton said anything that horrible where she went against Kyle. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like she threw Kyle under the bus. It was – it kind of looked like an in-the-moment, on-the-carpet – 
red carpet thing where she was thrown a question and she was uncomfortable and didn't know how to answer it and thought she was being very diplomatic about it. And so I don't think that that really deserved hate from Kyle. I don't think that Kyle was upset about the interview. I think Kathy was upset about the interview and got mad at Sutton. And Kyle was upset that Sutton didn't reference this at the reunion and be like, well, Kathy's not just a dick to Kyle. She's also been a dick to me. So in and of itself, I err on the side of supporting Kyle in this moment. I think like Kathy seems to have a temper and seems not to be able uh, to accept maybe a, a little soft lob now and again. She can be sensitive as any of these women can be. I think referencing the fact of like Kyle's power, control, ability to get somebody uninvited from something is all fine and good. Like I, I think people can accept that as maybe one of several realities that does take place. I just think at the end of the day, Kyle is seems to be suggesting that uh, you know, God, not to reference Teresa, but like a true sister mm-hmm. would, a real sister-in-law would defend her at all of these hot moments. But I think Sutton is saying the same thing to Kyle, which is like, you also weren't there for me. Right. And it was kind of hard because if you remember at the reunion, like Kyle was very upset about other housewives meddling. And that's what made Re- the rift between her and her sister. So it would kind of be hard then for someone else to jump in and have an opinion and say something about this bond that's being broken between two sisters when Kyle was so upset that everyone was meddling and everyone was talking about it. But now she wanted someone to meddle and talk about it when it had to do with standing up for her. Like, I don't think there was any winning there. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. 
the lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. That is a great point. And I say this noting that Kyle is in my top five. Like, I love Kyle. I mm-hmm. also have no problem holding her accountable. Like, my top five might, the way that I activate a top five might be different from others. There are certain housewives who, like, I stand and, I, you know, and but also there's an ability, I think, that I have to sometimes hold people accountable and maybe sometimes not, but be able to express why I might refuse to. And with Kyle, it's like, I see hypocrisy here. I also understand why she might feel a certain way. I don't have to agree with it to understand it, but I'm not going to deny the reality, at least of my interpretation. And people have every right to be like, oh, I feel totally differently. That's the glory and hopefully benefit of watching these shows is we can have different ways even of enjoying a housewife and what that means 
to support them. I mean, I dragged her to fucking hell and back last season. She was she was sort of on probation. She was on a, a probation <laughs> status on my top five because I was so annoyed with her. But, you know, I fucking love her. I really do. I just think she's complicated and she's not being open and honest about her relationship. And then she's suggesting that, you know, support is similar to what Faye gives her and what Teddy gives her. And, you know, she said at one point, like, Faye and I talk about these things, but she she says things in a way that feels like it's made with care and affection. She has every right to say that. Faye's also not a full-time member of this cast. She pops in to support Kyle, have a glass of wine or whatever, and then skadoodle on away. Like, you know, the morally corrupt Faye Resnick seems like a really good friend to have, and I'm sure she's honest with Kyle in their private time, but Sutton isn't Faye Resnick. Sutton is a full-time cast member of the show. There is an expectation people are going to say and have uncomfortable conversation. Kyle knows that better than anybody else. Right. Yeah. And she's part of that, too. She does the same thing. She brings up topics. She stirs the pot. She's hypocritical. She does the same thing also. She just doesn't love when it's focused on her, I guess, is what the main thing is. She seems like one of those girls that wants to surround herself with friends that are always positive, always boosting her up, and always have her back, which what person doesn't want that? Like, totally. obviously, I want that too. Like, But sometimes your best friends ask you shit and say shit that's uncomfortable and doesn't make you feel good or they hold you accountable. And it doesn't seem like she really um, appreciates that type of friendship that much. And good for her that she now has Anne-Marie because I think Anne-Marie is maybe – and possibly for strategic reasons, and she's probably smart for doing so, is going to be maybe a new sycophant. Like, Amory's like, okay, you quote-unquote introduced me to the show. I understand my role in this, and I'm going to defend you no matter what. And that also helps me when it comes to, like, filming and the power structure. Like, mm -hmm. Teddy was a huge fucking sycophant. They have a, a, a specific kind of relationship that works for Kyle and works for Teddy. I wish you know, Kyle well with that. Like it, they do, there's a lot of love and genuine affection between them and trust. And that's great. But when you're on a show like Housewives, friendship doesn't mean staying fucking quiet. And if it does, that's the resulting action. Other people are going to challenge it and call it out. And also you have producers in your fucking ear at these parties being like, you know, it would be great if you walk in that other room and find out, you know, what these two people are talking about or why there's a fight or why don't you check on Denise and see how she's doing? Like that's you know, it's part of the the joy of this as a social experiment is sometimes d d to deny the reality of how production operates. And right. that can be a solid strategic choice. Yeah. And everyone knows that going in. And they all know that going in that, oh, it's time for another season. There's It's time for I wonder how many of them, probably none of them operate the same way they do outside of filming that they do while filming is going on. You know, I'm sure Sutton, Garcelle, Kyle would never say half the shit that comes out of their mouth at a dinner table when cameras are not around. They know their job and they do it well. And that's why they're great housewives. And that's why Beverly Hills is doing great. And people love watching it. And these people have been on the show for a long time. So they know what they're doing. And it is a job. I mean, I really have to say, I you know, it's giving me what I want and what I need. And there's so much to discuss with Beverly Hills. I also think the cast is so solid right now. I really do think 
It's it's solid. It works. There's genuine love and friendship with some of the individuals of the cast. There seems to be some like middle ground here. There's also some like insults and whatever else that spices things up. Like I really think they're they're doing a good job. And I really have to say I was very thankful that Denise had that other follow-up scene because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, here we go. We're like a little settled. We can like have some fun, some like sassy jokes or whatever. And I feel like Denise is I feel like Denise is in on the joke. And that's the Denise that I really love to see. I really do. You think she's in on the joke? You think that she watched the episode back when it aired and thought that that, that she's okay with it? No, I definitely don't. <laughs> I definitely don't think that. I think that like she was able to carry a conversation. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. if someone said LOL, she mm-hmm. would say, oh, LOL. And if someone said JK, she would say, oh, yeah, JK. Like, I don't think that at the dinner, I don't know that it showed the best ways of Denise's communication style. And I think that follow up hot tea with lemon smorgasbord <laughs> really <laughs> what what hot whole table is- orders hot tea with lemon a whole table decides today is hot tea with lemon day and then mint i guess yeah. to mix things up and then I-, I don't know you know listen bottled still water totally fine but fiji man i don't know about fiji i don't i was just like maybe stick to the water in that me stick to the hot tea with lemon you don't even want a tea bag in there we just want the lemon i get it i just think to start with that we don't want to end with it we don't want a decaf chamomile we just want the lemon is that an la thing is it a very la thing maybe it's la i mean it's i my aunt I've, you know, I know people that get it. I'm, and it's delicious. It's like very good for digestion, by the way, to have hot tea with lemon. I just wasn't used to so many people starting with it. It's usually a closer. (laughs) I was like, I, I, and I just, you know, my personal style with hot beverages is I love a hot tea. I I do need a tea bag in the the situation. I'm not necessarily going to order hot lemon, but maybe I will. I'm sure it's great. I just thought like starting with this, it's just, I don't know, you know, LA people. I mean, you live there. So um, born and raised. (laughs) where you that's why that's why i was asking i'm like i don't remember ever just going to a lunch or a dinner with a whole group of friends and being like hot tea with lemon please like that and we maybe when i wasn't feeling great or like i had like a scratchy throat yes i would order it or make it for myself but that's never been something that a whole table of friends has ordered so that is so weird (laughs) Talk about trend setting. You know, the next time I go to dinner with a girlfriend, I'm absolutely going to have and probably Instagram story a um, hot tea with lemon. I would do the lemon over the mint because I do know that it um, it does help digestion. And who doesn't want a little help along the way? You go to catch and order a hot tea with lemon. That's what you should do. That's your assignment. (laughs) I need to. I, you know, there's some crossover there yeah. that uh, that needs to take place. We love a little bit of a franchise swap. Um, listen, speaking of franchise swapping, mm-hmm. I do want to shift gears a little bit to Salt Lake City. Yeah. Um, there's a lot there to unpack. Um, I mean, where do you want to begin? How are you feeling about Salt Lake so far this season? And what kind of caught your attention the most from the most recent episode? Um. What caught my attention the most 
is seeing a pattern with Whitney having expectations of her friends that maybe people don't know that's what your expectation is and getting very angry and upset when your friends are not performing the way that you're expecting them to. Because I have to be honest, I feel very uncomfortable when a friend or someone I know is going through something tragic that's horrible. I never know. I'm like, do they want a text? Do they not want a text? Like, is this going to make them cry and they're trying to just forget and have a good time and they don't want to talk about it? Like, that's stuff that goes through my mind too. And it it's because I'm trying to be thoughtful and caring. So I feel like this is this has now been maybe third, fourth time that she's has a, she's had an expectation of one of her friends to perform or say something the way that she thinks it should be said to her. And she gets very upset and angry when it's not done that way. Um, I totally get that. <laughs> you are gonna <laughs> but you disagree with me. <laughs> I do disagree a little just in the sense of like I think she just needed an acknowledgement and not to feel ignored. Like if Lisa is uncomfortable because she knows that Whitney has just gone through a terrible loss and mm-hmm. doesn't know what to say. You can say, I don't know what to say, but to ignore this person <laughs> is going to make you feel like, what kind of fucking dick are you? You know, I just lost my best friend. You're not even going to say hi to me. Like, I think what people often look for is not necessarily a conversation. And that's on Whitney to communicate. It's also on a good friend to understand that maybe at this filming location, I'm not going to want to talk about the explicit details and specifics of my best friend dying. Mm -hmm. But I think to acknowledge that she just suffered a loss is like base level friendship. She also said, I like... I don't know what was said in those other conversations, but she said she's been talking to Lisa on the phone multiple times as this happened about this happening. So I'm sure they've talked about it. I'm sure Lisa has said, I'm so sorry. I'm sure Lisa, in however many conversations it was, because she said it was just that night before, had talked about it. So maybe Lisa didn't feel like this is the time to talk about it in front of cameras. I've already told her how sorry I am and how much I feel for her, which I don't know because we're not privy to those conversations, but I can only assume that she hadn't been ignoring the situation on the phone while she was talking to her prior. That is a great point. And the catchphrase on AG is normalize changing your mind based on new information. And that is a solid point. And I and I think Whitney, I think that she was genuinely hurt. I think a part of that might be the housewives performance of like, you and I have been talking privately. We do have a solid friendship. We have stuff that I'm not good. I We might have a trust system. So why, when we're filming this scene, are you not going to acknowledge the things that you've said to me privately? That might be a genuine question Whitney is saying. And Lisa might have a justifiable, genuine response of like, how are you questioning our friendship when I have said the things to you offline that you're denying seemingly that I said. That's an excellent point. 100%. 100% agree. I do, though, want to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> All right. Go for it. I <laughs> you're wrong. I just agreed with you, but I'm going to take this time to let you know why I don't agree with you. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. Okay. I'm going to do one little name them. Okay. Which is that, like, thinking about Whitney's reactions, yeah. how did you feel about the dynamic 
between Whitney and Heather, where Whitney is saying, you're trying to fuck with my relationship with Lisa, and Heather is saying, absolutely not. Like in that, at, at that point in the conversation, how did you feel about Whitney's behavior and and Heather Gay's as well? I feel that relationship is so freaking sad. I loved them together. Was it like the first two seasons or something? Yeah. They were yeah. like joint at the hip and they were best friends. And then something happened. And I think it's the same thing where Whitney expected something from Heather and Heather didn't give it to her in the way that she thought she should have. And so I see a trend in that and that's what made them split apart. I really don't think Heather was trying to break up a relationship. That's my personal opinion. I know Whitney probably feel said she feels differently. I don't think that was her intent at all. And even Lisa said that she didn't think that that was Heather's intent either. You probably disagree with me because that's what you do. But <laughs> I really, I just, <laughs> my, I'm recording with you. <laughs> but, but I, I do believe that Whitney feels that way. She feels like everything is very calculated. It seems like Whitney has this guard up that everything anyone does is super calculated and it's for a reason, like a manipulative reason. And I don't think that was the case with Heather. Um, okay, go ahead. Love, I love recording with you so much. This is lit, Caroli. I'm obsessed with it. This is my dream situation. I'm not, I'm like not fucking with you. Like I love when someone comes to the table with a different take. It like, it. I'm like a labradoodle right now. You can't even see my wagtailing. My tail. You're wagtailing. You're wagtailing. My wagtailing because my entire body is going back and forth. I 100%. Listen, Heather knows how to do her fucking job. I 100% think that Heather Gay referenced that, you know, like a doe in the wood, just completely innocently being like, oh, yeah, but Whitney told me blah, blah, blah. She was 100% shit stirring. And then at the table (laughs) is like, how dare you say I would never. Heather Gay knows how to play the game. Sometimes she's very effective at it. Sometimes not. In that moment, you know, do I think Heather likes being friends with Lisa? Yes. Do I think Heather likes being friends with Whitney? Yes. Do I think Heather likes being a housewife more than either of those two relationships? 1000%. I think Heather knows exactly what buttons to press with Lisa Barlow and then is maybe believing her own bullshit and her response to Whitney. And by the way, I fully support it. I fully support Heather having that conversation because it was so funny to me. And I think she's very talented and can be very strategic. I fully support it. But do I think she was trying to get uh, Lisa Barlow activated? Absolutely, I do. I love the way she said it, too, in like a nice way. I was giving I was saying that you were giving her a compliment, like how much she's grown and what a better person she is now because of you. Like you've really helped her and she's a better person. I was just saying we are proud of her. I love I it. Mean, <laughs> it's giving Olympics. Like it's giving Salt Lady Olympics. Salt Lady. Oh my Salt God. Lake what's it's giving Salt Lake Lady Olympics. Like it's, it's literally, it was so good. I couldn't get enough of it. And I think, I think Whitney gets that. I think she's probably annoyed at the fact that Heather is doing these things that are going to piss off Lisa and get her amped up. And it's like, yeah. And maybe, she's gonna keep but doing she's it. not. Maybe, but she. My point is, she's not the reason. Like she said, that Lisa and Whitney are having problems. Like 
if they weren't having problems before, that comment wouldn't have even, like, really phased Lisa, I don't think. Or she would have blown it off. They're having problems because of Whitney being angry at her and then Lisa's response to Whitney. Like, that is the main situation. Heather may have dropped, like, a little bomb in there, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was calculated. Probably. I don't know. I'm probably wrong. I like Heather. So <laughs> I, I stand up for Heather. I like Heather. But anyways, if, like maybe she dropped a little bomb. I don't think that would be the reason why they're arguing or fighting. I absolutely agree. I mean, they had that fucking fight at the sound bath. Yeah. At the sound bath jewelry show. So it's yeah. like that. that is things are go. Oh, no, wait. No, that was Angie and Lisa. When was the fall? Oh, Meredith. Sorry. Yeah. Meredith's plated jewelry launch is mm -hmm. where Lisa and Whitney got into it. So yeah, there had already been simmering tension. And obviously, simmering tension is a through line for any number of the members of this cast. So it's like, what is this the only thing that upset the dynamic? No, Heather's completely spot on with that. And I think she is also genuinely befuddled by the fact that Whitney and Lisa are close. I genuinely think that she's really like, how is this happening? And that probably doesn't have a great impact in in the quarrel because she's like, this doesn't make sense. So you have to defend your friendship to me because I don't believe it. Especially because she's trying, she's been trying to like get on Lisa's good side since yeah. episode one, like episode mm -hmm. one, season one, episode one. She's had a beef that Lisa doesn't like her, and she doesn't know why. And so I'm, sh and like it was her and Whitney together, and like Lisa just hated her. And so now that Lisa and Whitney are friends, she might be a little bit jealous. But I think her and Lisa have a relationship too. It seems like they're fine now. Yeah, I think they're actually in a good place. So I'm yeah. very into this kind of like, not frenemy energy, but just kind of like friends yelling at each other. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to, I don't know how else to describe it. It's I'm Meredith really that's kind it. of like on the outskirts now. Meredith. Yeah, what? How? Bathtubs. The, the bathtubs. Bathtubs. That's the, pro that's the root of every problem. If we just made sure everyone had a bathtub, I feel like this world would be a better place. Also, it sounds like she really, <laughs> truly took one too many of those sleeping pills. I, think and I mean, I had like a half or a third of a gummy at the New York um, premiere uh, over the summer, mm -hmm. and I was physically sick for a full 24 hours. I was so high. It was like not comfortable and not pleasant for me or anyone I interacted with. So I actually I I had a kind of like whiplash moment of like, oh, my God, I remember exactly how that is. It wasn't a sleeping pill, but it is something that I took that did not react well with Matum and my spirit. So <laughs> I got why she wasn't like chasing after these rooms because she was just trying to like, survive. you know, turtle down and <laughs> survive it. Hold on. But like, is it a sign? Of, we know that she, we do know that she loves a bath. Is it a, is it is it a is it a friendship? A sign of disrespect, she doesn't get a tub? A little bit. I mean, I don't know. I just know personally, the kind of person I am, if I were on a group trip with friends and I know one person has like a thing with bathtubs and I don't personally like taking baths, I think they're gross. 
personally. Same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> then, then I would make sure that that person had a room with a bathtub. Like I'd be like, oh, you, you don't have a bath. I don't really care. You can have my bath. Especially when Heather was like, I use my bath for laundry. It's not even like Lisa who was like, I really like views and mine has a view. Okay, fine. You want your view. But Heather's like, but I like my bath for laundry. That's the person who can give up their room, I think. <laughs> Yeah, but also Lisa Barlow had so many fucking quick, smart-ass comments during her confessionals and during scenes this episode. I die for Lisa Barlow. I think she's so funny, sometimes inadvertently, but also sometimes actively. Like, she's just – she's very, very quick. But hers – I think it was – it was Barlow. It could have been Heather who was like, I, I, you know, you want a nice bathtub. I want a nice view. Like there was just something where it was like, I'm not going to sacrifice my experience because I want it more. Yeah. Maybe I want it the same as you, but guess what? I have it. So go fuck yourself. It, it just, it delighted me. I just. The reason it was so bad was on the bus ride there. I think the other housewives acknowledged that we need to get Meredith into a bath ASAP. And then they got there and they were like, nope. No, me first. (laughs) It was giving a little OG New York when Ramona was a terror and was like, every trip was like, people are going to fight and throw down. I'm into that. I'm into when housewives fight over the rooms and it feels like they're really fighting because when certain franchises like fake fight over the rooms, but they don't really care. I'm not really into that energy, but I was into this because it felt ridiculous, but also understandable, which is like a sweet spot. That's a sweet spot for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, me too. I liked it. (laughs) What do you think? What's your suspicion? What's your hypothesis? What's your potential thesis statement of what you think this call is going to be? This this much speculated call? I didn't think it was speculation. I thought it was that Monica, you're talking about the call that Heather's going to get. I thought it was that Monica sued Heather and Beauty Lab. Are, is this not right? So the lawsuit didn't happen until, to my understanding, until well after. It was when it, there's something where Heather finds out that through a pseudonym or something else, Monica owes money to Beauty Lab that she hasn't paid. And that set up some kind of like, you owe me money. And then Monica being like, I didn't like my procedures. I think that's well after the fact of whatever happens on the call. Uh, I could be totally wrong. I thought that she knew that someone... A, like a different name was suing Beauty Lab and then she got the call finding out that it was Monica and that was the phone call she was getting was that she found out it was Monica but I could be wrong that was just like stuff that I heard mm-hmm. when I was swiping through mm-hmm. rumors and stuff but I took it as fact <laughs> I mean welcome to <laughs> how I typically live my life um I don't know the the dates. I don't remember offhand the dates of the lawsuit. So I might have just assumed that happened after the fact. The call could be that she finds out that Monica is someone who's been in, what's that called? In like collection or whatever. And that the name that she used, that 100% could be a possibility. I don't know that that's enough for Heather's reaction where she's like pushing aside a camera person and being like, I need to discuss this, but it could be. I mean, I, I, my expectation is my absolute 100% assumption is that whatever happens on the call is something involving Monica. It's some sort of surprise, uh, you know, not great reveal for Monica about something that maybe doesn't reflect well in her character. When is um, the call supposed to happen? Is that next episode? 
I don't think so because the trailer for next episode, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think references it. And mm-hmm. I also don't know how many episodes Salt Lake has left because I never pay attention to episode count. So whenever they're like on next week's finale for whatever franchise, I just freak out because I'm like, how is the finale already happening? Yeah. That's like, and that's also a good indicator of a good season. Um, So I don't know how many episodes this trip is going to include, but my assumption is that it's not revealed on this week, this this coming week, but maybe the one after that. Maybe. I assume. We have no idea if this that shot was filmed like after kind of after the season, like they were doing pickup shots. It was filmed way later when they do already know when the lawsuit was already happen happening and they're just plugging that piece into. I have no idea. You think it's going to come up soon? Yeah, because I think it happens on the trip. So they're oh. not going to fly. Yeah, they're not going to fly her back. I didn't even to, realize that it happened on the trip. I, I think so. I think it's it happens in the house on the trip. So I don't know how. I think it's, you know, it's Heather at the door. I just heard my yeah. buzzer. I think it's Heather at the door. <laughs> give me the answer. Um, My assumption is that, uh, I guess my guess is that it happens on the trip. We may have been told, honestly, that it's on the trip. But it looks okay. like the house on vacation and the way that production is kind of running, it's not giving me the energy of it taking place somewhere else. But yeah. I mean, you know, all the world's a stage. I, you know, who's so to say? What do you think the call is? I think it has something to do with some sort of reveal of Monica not being who she says she is. I At, at the beginning, when we first saw the trailer for the full season for the mm-hmm. first time, I assumed it had something to do with Jen Shaw, but that no longer feels realistic and Mm -hmm. because Heather and Monica are at such odds right now and Heather's saying in the press she won't film with Monica next season which like lol I'm sure she will maybe maybe but maybe not like we'll see what I think it has something to that something is like very not good about Monica allegedly or whatever that Heather finds out about on that call. And I also, P.S., don't begrudge Heather. My my guess is that when we find out what this is, I'm going to side more with Heather than Monica. I assume. Isn't the whole cast right now on the outs with Monica? Yeah, they didn't interact with her at all at BravoCon from what I saw at like the... um. I don't even remember seeing Monica. And I remember seeing everybody else in Salt Lake at the, I was about to call it the Andes. What was it? The Bravos. Because mm-hmm. I was at the Bravos taping and I was like row four or five. I was directly in front of talent because it was like the first three rows. So I was watching Salt Lake City interact at at commercial breaks. That was actually a fast, that was like an incredible taping because I was just watching a bunch of different uh, franchises kind of mix and mingle. Um, but I don't remember, I, I think everybody is keeping their distance from Monica, which I do think also supports the fact that something is revealed that is not good. Well, it's so sad to me because I was really rooting for Monica at the beginning before I knew I just felt like she was really relatable. A lot of the stuff that people don't like about her, I actually like. I like the relate like the relatable aspect of her. Um, so it's really sad to me that something probably shady and that may destroy her character comes out. That makes me think differently of her. Yeah, I think she's probably complicated and strategic, and I think she's very strategic and uh I think she's great casting. I think she comes off as like very humble at some points and and realistic at others. And um, 
certainly very expressive. And do I think there's like a darker side to Monica that's like complicated? A hundred percent. I think the ways that she, you know, there's something to be said for like Jen Shaw rubbing off on her a little bit because they were so close and worked together or whatever. But maybe Monica also came to the table with some energy. You know, it's not, it could, it might not just be that she was influenced by Jen, not in terms of any kind of legal thing, but just in terms of personality dynamics. It's it, it's possible that's always been a part of Monica, and maybe that's the way that they connected. Who knows? I mean, I really, I don't know. It's just great casting regardless. Like, if this turns into some sort of, like, villain era energy, I'm still 1,000% here for it, because I also think she just, she is, like, I don't know. I, like, I vibe with Monica at points, too, you know? Yeah. I mean, I still do. I just think that I'm probably not going to in a few episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it to be continued. You need to come back on AG ASAP because I am so curious for your thoughts on what this is going to be. And also, as Beverly Hills continues to develop, we're like still in early days with Beverly Hills. There's going to be a lot more to unpack. So you know you are welcome back to the People's People's Couch anytime. In the meantime, can you tell AGs a little bit about your pod, where they can follow you on social, all that and more? Yeah, you can go check out my podcast, our podcast. I get no, I'm gonna call it mine. It's my, no, po- it's your podcast. It's no, like, my really, podcast. It's your podcast. It it, is. I mean, it is randomly called Howie Mandel Does Stuff, but it should be called Howie Mandel and Jacqueline Schultz Does Stuff. Anyways, you can check it out on YouTube so you can watch it there. And you can also, anywhere where you listen to podcasts, you can hear the audio. The YouTube's probably better. I like watching it. And we have some really cool guests coming up. Who do you have? Who's We're going to Austin, Texas, actually, in a couple days to record with a bunch of other big podcasters because all the, like, biggest podcasts come out of Austin. Oh. Like Rogan. You know, Rogan and Segura and all them are out of Austin. So we're going there to see who we can get. But um, who do we have coming up? I don't even know. We have, like, big 10 people. banked. Big people. It'll be fun. Big people. Just come hang It'll out. Great. Yeah. <laughs> And are you getting are you getting Howie Mandel, also known as your dad, to watch some of what happens with Vanderpump Rules when it premieres in January? How are we feeling about that? Yeah, he'll watch with me for sure. I've been trying. He will totally watch. I got him to watch like the last, I don't know, since he did the episode with Tom Sandoval, he had yeah. watched every single episode after that of Vanderpump Rules and all the reuni- reunion. So he is up to date and he listened to Bethany's podcast. He is like, he's in. I got him in. He is in. (laughs) Would you want Bethany to come on your pod? Oh, I have asked. We have asked her multiple times. And she won't do it? No, she said she will. She's in New York, though. So, I mean, it's hard to get her on. She said she will. I wanted to talk to her about the whole reality reckoning thing. And we had um, Nick Vial Vial or whatever talking about, like, reality stars and two. Also... So I would love to have her on. I told my dad he just went to like this food outdoor food thing that was for influencers and other celebrities and stuff. And he's like, it's great. I saw Chris Pratt and I got him on. He's coming on the podcast. I was like, yeah, but I saw that Sheena Shea and Andy Cohen were there. Did you happen to talk to Andy Cohen or Sheena Shea? Because that's what I care about. And he's like, no, I didn't see them. I'm like, dad, that's what matters. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what? I love that mix. That's yes. just a real slice of life that I'm into. And I would be, especially since he did famously say, what's a Sheena? I do <laughs> think that Sheena Shea coming on would be delightful. And my hope is that when you do VPR coverage and when you do Bethany Frankel coverage, that you are fully able to ask whatever the fuck you want because you know that you are such a strong bravoholic with a lot of takes and a lot of questions and that's the dynamic that I would love to watch especially well, with Bethany you know what we do want to do that we were talking about we were talking about actually having Tom Sandoval back on doing it live and having guests get and having people write in <laughs> write in their questions so that it's not like you can't be mad at us for not asking and pushing him on stuff. You guys are the ones asking any question you want. So we'll see if he'll do it. But that was my idea. Let's have him on again. Not us interviewing. Let the people hold him accountable and they can ask whatever questions they want. Well, I do think that you should 100% mediate that because you know people are going to be insane from the jump. Like that might be not great chaos. Like I think there's like a you moderate it. I think you should moderate it and choose what to ask him. Is this going to be is this going to be like the other end of the spectrum of bad? Yeah. <laughs> I think it might be the other end of the spectrum of bad. <laughs> I think we need a happy medium. I don't think we should I think your voice is the important part of this conversation that we want to keep at the center of it. I really do. I don't want to be any part of it. I want to pass the blame on to other people cuz I got I got so much hate last time that I don't want to be any part of it. But I think the, I think the hate of the you not being a part of it is a part of the I think people want to hear your voice. So I think excluding yourself isn't going to stop the hate. It might in fact just turn it in a different way. But at the end of the day, you understand what people want to know. And I would rely instinctively on your curiosity. And you shouldn't, at the end of the day, people are going to challenge whatever you say, because that is the way that sometimes people counter and try to own power is to dissent and do so in a way that can sometimes be vile. But I do also think that you have an inherent curiosity and intelligence about everything that happened with the scandal and Bravo at large that you shouldn't silence, like own your voice, take up space. And if Tom Sandoval is upset about it, well, he's a fucking puss. He should be able to answer questions. And if he can't answer a question, that is an answer in and of itself. Leave it to him to be the person who is either accepting of the fact that there might be hard questions asked and however he wants to deliver them is up to him. And then you'll be there to rebut. You know? Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think as long as like the screen is not just out in the open asking questions, but like yeah. it's in front of me and I'm deciding totally. which questions. It's not going to be like disgusting, horrible yeah. questions no, and stuff and comments. But I can like read off the comments yeah. that have legitimate questions. I'm not even saying this is happening. I don't think we talked to Sam Tom Sandoval. Well, I just want it to happen. <laughs> So do I. That's on my Hanukkah yeah, list. Yeah. Hanukkah Harry, if you're listening, make this fucking shit happen. And you can combine the two. It can be you moderating, asking questions, and then do the thing that Andy does at the reunion where it's like he wants to ask the question, but he doesn't get the blame for it. It's Susan in Kansas City who's like, why are you such a fucking twat? And then yeah. the housewife is like, I'm not a twat. And then Andy's like, listen, I'm just asking the questions. They're vetted. They know. It's like you're looking for the question that you want to ask and someone else you know, Susan is the one is the one asking it. And there there's a party for everybody. And then All you right. can follow up. I okay. mean, be your best Andy Cohen. You already are. It's I am going to be Jandy. 
Jandy. I, I love Jandy. <laughs> yeah. And Tom Sandoval, if you're listening and there is literally no way that that is possible, um, you know, sign up for be. this. What what else has he got to do? I mean, you could maybe even film it at, you know, Schwartz and Sandy's if you wanted, if he's still allowed on site. I would um, love that. I'm into it. I, I'd say make it happen. And I will absolutely um, write in a question and and zoom in or something or invite myself to the party because I think Tom. that could be quite quite yeah. an experience. Um, guys, speaking of experiences, have you joined the Andy's Girls Patreon? It's the number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. Three hour long episodes have gone up in the past week and a half. A uh, bunch of tears. $2 gets you my love and support. Um, $5 a month gets you two bonus episodes. $10 a month gets you four. And there is a premium tier where you can record a Patreon episode with yours truly or just have a private Zoom key key chat, which I also love to do. So um, get those episodes, sign up, support the pod at patreon.com slash Girls. Follow me on Instagram and threads at Dame Galley. Thanks so much for coming back. Thank oh you. God. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. <laughs> what a delight. What a Hanukkah gift. Happy Hanukkah. I mean, listen, happy Hanukkah to everybody listening. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.